Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. So uh, we've been in a series called Real Relationships, Real Relationships, and for the most part, the last few weeks, our focus has been kind of our relationships within the body of Christ, how we are with one another. But for us and for me, I think one of the most important relationships or the most vital relationship is the family unit and marriages. And so today we're going to do a little something different and we're going to focus on that relationship. So we have a special guest, Nancy Vandershaft is going to come and she's going to, um, she's going to be like a coach, counselor, and kind of an advisor and give us some information from her background as well. So welcome, Nancy. Come on up. Gord said you should talk more this service. I thought it was pretty talkative last time. <laughs> All right. Just uh, for your information, Nancy and I did meet quite some time ago or about a month ago, and we kind of developed a list of things that we thought would be important and prudent to discuss. And so it's going to be a little bit of ad lib and might be a little bit different than even the first service, but um, just, you know, invite you to open your ears and open your heart to hear what God has to say to you. So, Nancy, why don't you introduce yourself? You seem so far away this time. Yeah. Is, is that all? <laughs> oh, that's social distancing. But I'm closer this time. So you are closer this time. It must have been helpful last service. <laughs> so, Nancy's just going to introduce herself and give us a little brief description of her journey. And, and so, I'll turn it over to you for a second, Nancy. I'll introduce myself according to my relationships. First of all, I'm a daughter of the most high God, Amen. most important. Secondly, I'm the wife of an amazing husband for 46 years. Awesome. Yeah, we have three children and eight grandchildren. Yes. It's always about relationship. We always identify ourselves and, and see ourselves through the relationships that we have. And so that's who I am. What I do is I'm a therapist. Uh, I do marriage counseling. I work with uh, my specialties are depression and anxiety and loss. So that, that those are credentials. Um, I went back to school. You asked me last yeah. time that I went back to school at 45. I was a stay-at-home mom, and I worked in my husband's business and homeschooled for a number of years. And then I went back to school at 45. And what was supposed to be a three-year degree ended up being 10 years of full-time. But I love learning, and I love what I do because my heart is to heal bring healing and to bring restoration, especially to Christian marriages and Christian families. So that's my real heart. Yeah. I was really excited when we met previously. Um, you know, sometimes you can think about a counselor being so serious and such a serious disposition and demeanor, but I was so excited when we sat down together and, and Nancy always has this beautiful glow and smile on her face. And so I really appreciated that and knew that that would really go over well with people. So yeah, I've just enjoyed you. it. So, um, we're going to focus a lot on the marriage relationship, and a little bit we will touch on raising children a little bit. But Pastor Carl and I have been married 37 years? 
six good ones and yeah. uh, 30. <laughs> and so we received zero marriage counseling, like zero. The only thing I remember, and I, we got married, I was only saved probably three or four years. And so I'd come into this new environment and all I heard preached at me was the husband is the head of the house and then women are to submit and be quiet. So um, that was really difficult. <laughs> But because I was so in love with Jesus, I thought, well, that's just what you do, and I'll obey that. But I was raised in a home where, um, you know, my mom and dad shared household duties. My dad cooked for us, and actually it was my dad who was the affectionate person in our home. And so um, sooner or later, this became a crisis for me because what I knew intuitively and by experience wasn't matching up to what I was told in the church. And so we actually, if we're really honest, Pastor and Carl, and I had a few struggles the first while. I thought it was going pretty good because you were holding the line really well at first. Yeah. And then you began to rebel. Mm -hmm. so. Yes. I lasted about six months before I thought I was just going to kill the guy. Anyways, I was talking to a couple on the way out, and they said, our first year of marriage was hell. And so, so speaking to that, um, is pre-marriage counseling important? Yeah. Research has shown that that's number one um, predictor for a good marriage, is pre-marriage counseling. Because somebody that's a little more experienced, hopefully, uh, is able to sit down with you and address issues that you wouldn't think about. Because when you're young and passionately in love, you think, I got love. That's all I need. Yeah. We've got love. It's enough. Well, it, it's a great foundation, but it's not enough. Amen. You need some wisdom there, too. And you need somebody. Uh, the mentoring program, a mentor, if you're a young couple, get marriage, pre-marriage counseling early in your relationship before the the issues blow out of proportion, and have a mentor. Yeah. So have somebody that you know has a godly, good, strong marriage, and just ask them to tuck, you know, if you can be tucked under their wing. Yeah. It's, it's a really good yeah. That's a really, really good, good point. Do. Find mm -hmm. a marriage that you really admire and that yeah. looks like something you want to imitate yeah. and replicate. Truth. Very good. So, Nancy, if I was to ask you what are the most important components to a successful relationship, what would you say? Uh, number one is your values, that your values are the same, because how can you walk with somebody unless you have agreement? So you have to have agreement, and I don't care what that is, it can be this big or this big, you set it up, it can be like your one set of parents or the other set of parents, or it doesn't matter, but you have to agree, and that's the number one. You have to have a vision for where you're going and then agree on how you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. It's like a business. Yeah. I hate to, hate to think of that as a business, but if you go into the bank and say, I want to start a business, what are they going to say? Show me your business plan. What are your plans and how are you going to get there? Yeah. And we need to do that with our marriage. And a lot of times it's because we don't have a goal, so we're not working towards anything. Mm -hmm. You've got to have a vision. Without a vision, my people perish. Yeah. The word says that. So have a vision for your marriage and then start working together mm -hmm. towards it. And a vision is more than just serving God together. It should have visions about how you want to grow your family, how you want to do your children, when you want to have your children, uh, what do you want to accomplish in life. So the vision shouldn't be myopic and just we're going to go to church. It should really, um, it should be every part of an, and every aspect of your life. You also said something else that was really important when we were talking uh, earlier and that you said one of the most important things is trust in a marriage. And so I was just, I was telling the earlier congregation um, that I had some trust issues when I was um, going into my marriage. I grew up in an alcoholic and substance abuse home. All around me were broken relationships, infidelity. My father left several times. We weren't sure if he was coming back. So you have issues of abandonment, trust, all of those kinds of things. 
So I remember one time, uh, you know, we, got, we were married a few years, we were at Bible school, and we had this shared communal washtub at Bible school, like laundry facility. And so I'd been away for a week, came home, did the laundry, went to fold it up in our apartment and discovered another girl's shirt. And you know, my immediate response was, oh my gosh, she's had an affair on me. And so I had, and then I just sort of blew up, right? Well, I don't know that you blew up. You, you never really blew up. You always slowly percolated. <laughs> and I tried to get Cheryl to blow up because in my home, we confront, we deal with things now. In Cheryl's home, you kind of let things brew for a while. And I remember early in our marriage, she would like to let things brew. I would come home, know there's something wrong, but she would be percolating still. And she'd <laughs> sometimes blow up in the middle of the night and go, I can't believe you could sleep when you know I'm upset. And I went, oh my God. Anyways. but Just I, like that. Just like that. I literally threw luggage at her once and said, when you're hey, ready to have a marriage, please come home. But anyway, so here we are at Bible school, at Bible school, and... I kind of knew that something was weird, and I knew it for a while. And I came home from a chapel, and Cheryl was doing dishes. I came and was just telling her, chapel was awesome today. It was so good. And, and then she turned, and she had tears going down her face. She said, I don't trust you. And I'm just like, wow. And she said, but I realize now that I don't trust you because I've never trusted men. And because of all of the brokenness in my family, I've never had a single uncle uh, relative that was ever faithful in a marriage. And so I've always protected myself and thought that someday you're going to disappoint me in a big way. So I've hidden a piece of my heart away from you. But it all came to a head. And then she said, because I found another woman's shirt in the laundry. And I went, <laughs> He laughed at me. <laughs> but, but I realized it was very meaningful to her. And that day, something really shifted yeah. in our marriage forever. Yeah. Because I never, ever felt that, that withholding from Sean. never, ever felt that guardedness in our relationship in the realm of intimacy ever again. But God really had to address that and heal that. Yeah, and I think for every person, um, the, the foremost person that you need to trust is God. Because I came to the conclusion that I can't control the choices he makes or what he does. But I do, I can trust that God is faithful and that God will see me through. So, but there's other areas of trust that can be broken, correct, Nancy? Yeah, trust is the foundation. I know we think love is, and that's important. You've got to have love. But love is trust and respect and honor. And those, those are things that are really important. If you break the trust in a relationship, a wall goes up. That wall of offense, it comes up pretty quickly. And what we do in a marriage is we take a brick at a time. We don't build that whole wall in a day. We build it a brick at a time. And little offenses, it's like the little foxes that come in and spoil the vines. It's the little offenses that end up building big walls. And if you break the trust, and that can be something simple like, I don't trust the way you're spending money. Yeah. Or I don't trust the way you didn't cover me when, when your mother attacked me or you know there's all kinds of things we need to protect each other from you need to protect your heart you need to protect your relationship and you need to protect your home mm -hmm. those are very important you have boundaries the protective boundaries around yeah very good and then you mentioned uh respect as well yeah if the respect goes that's that's the beginning of the end yeah when the respect for each other when honor when you stop honoring each other and you just start taking each other for granted and then then it just weakens bit yeah. by bit. It just crumbles. Yeah, You've got to have respect. Yeah, very yeah. good. Um, I was, we were also talking about, I asked her, what are the most common difficulties that marriages run into? And so um, uh, one of the, th the things was um, distraction. 
and one of the other really important things was understanding a natural trajectory of a relationship. Could you speak to that for a moment? Because mm-hmm. sometimes you think that marriage is going to stay the exact same as it was through your engagement. You're just the bomb diggity. I'm going to love you forever. It's going to be so great. Forever. And so never. what happens, Nancy? <laughs> a natural trajectory for a relationship is you come together, you're two people, you come together and it's hot and heavy and then you do this. That's normal. It's normal if you don't work at it. Right. Because you're going to grow as individuals. You usually, you know, you, you come from different cultures, you come from different homes, you have different interests, and one's a man and one's a woman. You've got different brains, you've got different emotions. So you should grow and you should be different, but not with your relationship. Your relationship, you have to work at keeping connectors all the way through your relationship so that that doesn't happen. Yeah. You can go your own ways, you can find different interests and be different people, but you need to keep the connection. It's yeah. all about connection. Very good. So how, how does a person, if, if you're at a stage in life where you're older in your relationship and you feel that this has happened, how do you, like, what do you do to begin to repair that? Repent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you first, first, and I'm serious, you repent and say, I haven't been the person you need to be. I haven't been Very there. Good. Connect with God, then connect with your partner and find out who they are. Mm. We think we know Sally or Joe or whoever because we've been married for 40 years. Uh Uh-uh. They're not the same person you married. So find out who they are now. Find out what do they like. What kind of, like, it's like, oh, yeah, she likes country music or she likes roses or, no, but what does she like? What what makes her heart sing? If you can keep connected to what makes the other person's heart sing, that's what's going to make it. Because then, if I mean, if my heart, my my partner makes my heart sing, I I'm open and connecting to him. Mm -hmm. So find out what makes your heart sing. And it's okay to ask each other, what do you like? What makes your heart sing? It's a challenge to even stop and think, gee, I don't know, what do I like? Um, I don't know, but I'll let you know when you do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's an important aspect. Compliment each other. Give words of affirmation. Give, give encouragement. I like it when you do that. That makes my heart soft, or that makes my, my heart open towards you. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah. I was um, thinking about that. You know, I think it's really important um, that we understand that actually people do change. I don't think we realize how much change takes place in the life of a marriage. Um, you're experiencing life differently, but you're experiencing life collectively. And, it, and so, you know, sometimes people get to the place where they realize that this has happened and they don't know how to get back or that there's no recovery, but there is recovery. You know, I remember when we were first young in ministry and young in marriage, um, I didn't want to go into ministry. I didn't have any desire to be that. And um, I actually really disliked him. And I would think to myself, there's got to be a way to get out of this. I, I can't stand this. Maybe I'll be the bad person. I'll go have did an affair. Did you dislike me or did you dislike I disliked, ministry? I, I disliked ministry, so I disliked you because okay. you got me into it. That. And so, I, I, you know, I didn't feel prote- protected. Yes. All of those kinds of things. And it's amazing. But you can recover from those things. But you have to be... Um, you have to be purposeful, and you have to make a decision that this will survive this, right? True. Right. We Do you want to know the, the biggest clue? Not clue. It, it's scripture. Yeah. But what I have found, and if I could say one thing to couples, is in Ephesians 5, I mean, you, you even mentioned it, wives submit to your husbands. Absolutely. However, after that, we're not teaching near as strongly this part. Husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for her. 
You don't have to tell a woman to submit to her husband if she knows that her husband's heart is after her heart. You put that first, it's everything true. else is going to be smooth sailing from mm -hmm. there on. It's it true. truly is. Because a woman's heart is after her man. Always. And that's a good thing. It is. It truly is. And when you know that your heart is covered by the man that, that loves you, and it, his, every, every decision he makes, whether it's to buy the, the, the TV or to buy something or to do something, he's always asking, what does my wife need? What do my kids need? What's our family need? You put your family first. Yeah, you should remember that. When he goes grocery shopping, he buys what he likes and not what I like. <laughs> Right? It's because I'm the only one who does grocery shopping. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Another problem that, um, that our culture experiences is this helicopter parenting and this tendency to put the, um, the children above the importance of the marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, I often will get couples and they're in their 40s, 50s, and they come and they go, there's nothing here. And the number one issue is the kids are gone. The kids were the reason for their marriage. The kids are supposed to be, in God's order, the kids are supposed to be something that comes out of the love and the life that the marriage has. But if you make your kids, if you make your, your marriage and your family kid-focused, uh, it's not good for the kids. It's certainly not good for the marriage. Mm -hmm. If you keep the marriage, if you keep your relationship with God first and your relationship with your partner as second, and the children and the family and everything else. I mean, there's times when a two-year-old needs attention. I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> but you keep your marriage as number one. When the kids go, your marriage is still strong. And it's going to be there through everything if you keep your marriage strong. Mm -hmm. It's got to be. Yeah. Where if, if your relationship focused, they're the stronger marriages. Yeah, very good. Yeah, because, you know, uh, I would say to young couples... Um, this, the toughest time in your relationship will be the time when you're rearing children and you both have jobs and things to take care of. So it's really important that this stays connected and this stays good. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so we talked, um, we don't have the pictures up, but we talked about the changes in marriages over the last century or something. Mm -hmm. And so Nancy sent me the picture of the American Gothic, and I'll let you explain that. Uh, marriage, traditional marriage is where you stand like this, side by side, shoulder to shoulder. And that picture of the American Gothic, it shows it so well. Because they're standing there, the guy's got his pitchfork and his jacket and his dunagrees, and, and she's got the dress on and the frilly little house in, in behind. But there's no joy. The purpose of the marriage is not joy or fulfillment, it is chores. It is your jobs, my jobs, and together we will make a lovely life. And that's what our ancestors did. About the 60s, things started to change. And now, couples expect it to be more this way. Not this way. This way. So you're facing each other. And that you have the capacity and the desire to connect deeply and stay connected. Even our chores are different. Uh, we both work. We both do housework. We both do childcare. That's a modern marriage. Mm -hmm. And where a lot of marriages... Ours is, ours is an old marriage. It's, it's, a, an old, it's traditional? not modern. Traditional. Yeah. That's, More that's traditional. because she does all that stuff. Anyways, let her finish. Sorry. <laughs> they work well. Traditional marriages work really well. They have for thousands and thousands of years if you both respect 
yes. what you do. Where True. we got into trouble was feminists started standing up and going, woman, your worth is only worth what money you bring home. Mm -hmm. And now we're starting to realize, no, staying at home and minding children and, and making a home is very important. And we're starting to give honor where honor is due in that area. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's not one way is better than the other. It's whatever you choose. Mm -hmm. Again, it's your marriage. You define where the boundaries are. Yeah. The agreement and the shared values. Absolutely. Yeah, really, really Number important. Yeah. yeah. I Like, we didn't talk about it, but I was never going to be a stay-at-home mom. No, and I, I think that's what... First thing that attracted me to Cheryl was that we both had a passion for God, which... I really envied her desire for the word, and I was like, wow, and we could find ourselves talking about things that we thought were great. Um, but um, the other thing was that Cheryl was strong and passionate, and I loved that about Cheryl. And I just loved that she went after things with everything in her. And when we got married, uh, she took on that role that she was taught, or we were taught in our church, that she now kind of serves me. And uh, so she kind of comes in line with my wonderful purpose for life. And, and that really hindered Cheryl so badly. And put six months into marriage, we walked out of the church, and our pastor was there, and he said, six months in, how's it going? I said, it's awesome, it's real good. And turned to Cheryl, and she said, it's okay. And I was like, oh, Cheryl, that's awful. Like, don't say that to Pastor Morris. He'll be calling me this week, you know, trying to, and he did. He really called me that week. But we got in the car and he said, don't do that. You know, he's going to be after me. And she said, it's just okay. And I, I had no idea that Cheryl was really unfulfilled in our relationship. And because and, I didn't mind, she was doing all the stuff for me. So I'm like, this is good. It's wonderful. And, uh, but then I realized that Cheryl was grossly unfulfilled in just being this role. And my greatest joy in life has been watching my wife become who she is. And I love serving the destiny in her and letting her grow and both of us growing together and uh, nurturing that in each other. And, and it's not threatening at all. But I feel my greatest joy in my life in serving my marriage has been watching my wife be and encouraging her to pursue every single thing that she desires. And that's been probably my greatest joy. I think that's really important. And I think, you know, things like shared values, building trust, building respect, and agreement is so very, very important. We had to come to, I had to, you know, come to a place where I said, I, I don't like this role. This isn't who I am. This wasn't my culture. It's not how I'm raised. It just doesn't fit me. I, I feel like I'm wearing an ill-suited fit. And then we just agreed that, well, this is how life will go now. And so he would come home and supper would be on a plate for the microwave and I'd be at a soccer game playing soccer. So it changed everything. So Nancy, what would be the biggest challenges that you see when couples would come and they're at an impasse? What would be the primary challenges that you usually address? Mm -hmm. um, again, trust and communication. In your case, what you just told me was that your trust toward your husband was waning. Mm -hmm. It was waning. And your attention towards your husband was also waning. Right. So now you're just fulfilling a role. Yeah. So it would be, let's talk about what your needs are. What do you need as a wife that's not getting met? What right. do you need as a husband that's not getting met? How can we meet that? And again, it's a negotiation. We don't like to say Very that marriage good. is a negotiation, yeah. but it really is. Sure. Yeah. It yeah. really is. Yeah, that was, that was, I didn't think I had permission to do that because mm -hmm. of the, envi our, the environment of our church culture yeah. was women don't say anything. So I didn't realize I had permission to say, this is not working for me. But I just grew more and more dissatisfied and actually kind of resentful towards him. And so, yeah, so it was, it was good to be, you got to give each other space to talk and, you know, mm -hmm. 
no good connect, no good relationships going to happen without that good connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the connection is important, but the communication is too. What we do as people, not just couples, but as people, we we do this. One says this, and the other one. Yeah, talk over. You miss each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and well, you're you're used to. We don't listen to hear. We listen to respond. Yeah, very and good. When we when you're doing that, you're going to miss the intent of the heart mm -hmm. because you're just trying to prove your point and change their mind. Yeah. So this way, if you learn to listen differently and say, okay, what is he really saying? What does he really need? What's his heart in this? Yeah. Carl did that all the time. He would listen so that he could respond mm -hmm. and then articulate a better argument and make me feel like I was dumb. Just, find, just finding that out. Yeah. <laughs> That's not true. It's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, eventually I began to, I, I made a decision that I'm not going to have that kind of a relationship, yeah. that we're, we're actually going to, I'm going to learn how to speak his language, really, and talk the way he talks so yes. that we could, you know, have an argument on the same level. <laughs> Now, we are in a bit, bit of trouble right now, Nancy, because I, uh, the NBA shut down, the NHL shut down, the, even NASCAR is not going to run, and they just said that the curling championships in Scotland are off, and they even postponed until after the Masters. I, I don't know what to do with myself, so. Turn towards your wife. Turn towards my wife. I'm afraid we might have to talk, so. That's, that's not true. Actually, Carl's the one... Uh, when we're at home, it drives me crazy, actually. I just can't take this much talking. Anyways, he just says, well, how are we doing? What's going on? Where are we at? And it's like, oh, do we have to do this, like, every day? <laughs> but he, I've been blessed. He's been good. He's got, he's got, you know, a love language or whatever. How, speak to that thing. How is it important? Words do. of affirmation. So, you know, his love language is words of affirmation. Amen. So. He talks. That's why he always says, come on, throw me an amen once in a while. Yes. So uh, speak to the whole idea of learning love languages. Uh, it's important that we love not how we want to be loved, but how our partner needs oh. to be loved. You need to find out what's your husband's love language or your wife. And you can do that. Go online. It's called the five love languages. And there's a real simple quiz there you can uh, do so that you know what your love language is so you can better articulate what your needs are, but also give it to your partner and say, here you go. Yeah. And, and know what theirs is so that you can love them well. Mm -hmm. It's like presents. We buy presents that we like and we give them to other people. You like it? You like it? Instead of asking, what do they really want? What would they like? Yeah. And that's, it's the same with do your love languages. It takes you about two minutes online. Uh, we did that uh, some time ago and, you know, um, I am not, I, like I would say words of affirmation would be like almost, it would almost... It would be just above, just above touch. touch. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had to learn how to fill up his love bank. So he would always come home from a day or we would try and connect or something. And I he would want to talk when I'm in the middle of cleaning the house. And so I'm very yeah. focused. I want to get this job done. But in order to speak his language, I just, I would say to him, just to, you know, make him happy and fill up his tank, I'd say, can you talk to me while I'm working? Tell me all about it but please don't make me stop. I want to hear about it. I want to hear about your day. And then he'd tell me about the whole golf game, every hole. And I just learned to say once in a while, that's great, babe. That's really good. And just continue. But you can do that if you learn each other's language. So you don't really mean it when you're doing that? I do mean it because I'm trying to speak your language. So I am, you know, demonstrating affection and love because I'm 
moving outside of my comfort zone and what comes natural. I would prefer that you put the mop down and give me eye contact and sit across from me, open, like, tell me more, you know? <laughs> Just as we're being open like this, I thought I'd share I'm still that. growing. I thought I'd share that with you. I'm still learning, yeah. Uh, I want to just, um, one of the, the other things that um, relationships run into is the whole power, money, sex. Can you speak to those kind of issues a little bit as well? Uh, the three biggest issues with marriage counseling are, well, you think it was communication, but the bottom line is it's trust. Yeah. And it's usually around money, in-laws or extended families, and sex. Those are the three big ones. Uh, and you need to keep the conversation going. You need to keep it open that you can be able to talk about all of those. But what's really underlying it all is power. Mm -hmm. If there's a problem with the money, it's not usually about the money being spent. It's about power. You're taking too much or not giving me enough. Or So when you start framing it as a power issue instead of sex, money, or in-laws, mm -hmm. it might be protection, mm -hmm. but usually it's power. Yeah, yeah? very good, very good. Um, you know, can you have, like, I, I remember reading a long time ago about, you know, you can have friendship intimacy, uh, intellectual inti intimacy, crisis intimacy, and sexual intimacy. Should a marriage have all of that? The good ones do. Yeah, very yeah, good. The good ones do. And when we have, uh, it's all about the level of trust you have. Again, it's how, how open your heart is. When you have a friend, you share this much. Mm -hmm. When you have your husband or wife, you're supposed to be able to share this much. Um, a lot of couples, young couples right now, they call them starter marriages. And I think that's horrible. But it, it's as if like a starter home. I'm going to have it and then discard it oh and go my. on to something else. Wow. They actually call them starter marriages. And so if you think you're going to end up in divorce, you're not going to share much. You're yeah. going to share this much. And so you're not going to open your heart. When you don't open your heart, the other person can't connect as deeply. So it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's a cycle that you get into. That's, that's terrible healthy. to have yes. that phrase and that it's a, mm -hmm. a known phrase, starter marriage, like yep. a starter home. When you start out, it should be, we will not have divorce. Yeah. Divorce is not a word that's going to be in our house right. yeah. or in our vocabulary exactly. because we are going to work it through. Yeah. We're going to get better, yes. not yeah. bitter. We're yeah. going to get better, and we're going to work towards that. Amen. Very good. I've well, always said that. Yeah, I've, I didn't. I, you know, because yeah. there is, you know, um, breakups and things throughout my life, I just went, ah. I think it was uh, Billy Graham's wife. They interviewed her and said, have you ever, in, in all your marriage with Billy, had you ever considered divorce? She said, divorce never. Murder several times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. so Carl was really good at that when we were going through struggles and difficult times. You know, I would want to uh, fight. Now I fight. But I, back then I would want to fight and just give up on the whole thing. But he just said, divorce is not a part of, it's not a, it's not a part of our relationship. It's not a part of our language. It's not going to be a part of our culture. We'll work through some things. Mm -hmm. So how does a couple, um, well, I guess you kind of alluded to it a little bit when I talk about, you know, how does a couple maintain sexual intimacy? You have to talk about it. Talking about it. A lot of couples, it's strange. I ask couples, how much do you talk about sex? Well, we don't. Well, why not? You talk about finances, you talk about the in-laws, why don't you talk about sex? Mm -hmm. It's almost like we're just expecting that the other person's supposed to know what we think and feel and, and would like, or where we are. Like, you should know I'm not happy because I'm, you know, I got that look on my face <laughs> every time it's offered, and no, we got to talk about it. So the conversation is, how are we doing? 
Mm -hmm. how, how are you? Are you happy? Are you content? Um, maybe the issue is not the relationship. Maybe the issue is the person's going through a difficult time. Talk about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just so there can be, the can there be ebbs and, and waves to uh, pe people's sexual intimacy That's and everything? Normal. That's normal. Oh, very good. That's very normal. There's, there's times when you go through valleys and it's dry and a little more difficult. And there's other times where it's like, woohoo, we're on our honeymoon again. <laughs> that's normal. It should be that way. And that's a good indicator of how your marriage is doing, too. If you're not getting those times together and those intimate feelings, uh, take a second look. Yeah. Uh, I had a man in this week, if I can share something. Yeah. I had a uh, man in, and he was blown away because we've been working on intimacy with his wife and connection. Let me call it connection. Intimacy, everybody thinks sex. It's about connection, yeah, very good. heart connection. Very good. And this man had an aha moment where he and his wife locked eyes, and he said there was so much energy. He said, we haven't seen that since we were going out. And he's like, that's what we want. And I didn't think we could have it once we've been married for 10 years. But now we both know that's what we're going after. How do we get that? I mean, you can't live there, but you can have it. And you should have it because those are the connectors that we want in our marriage, in our intimate relationships, whether it's with your children or whether it's with your partner. We want those connection times where we know, ah, I got his heart. I know I got her heart. It's important. Yeah, the whole kind of eye-to-eye thing and face-to-face -face yeah. thing is really, really important. It's really important, honey. Yeah. That, that, it is. Because, you know, you can be going through a difficult time and talking, but not really facing the person. But something does happen when you're vulnerable enough that you look and lock eyes and have that conversation face-to-face. -face. Because I've known many times when I've wanted to talk about things and struggle, I'll have the sideways conversation and not look face-to-face. -face. But something different happens when we're eye-to-eye -eye and face-to-face. -face. Very good. So uh, you said something really great in the last uh, service this morning about conflict resolution. Your kind of little uh, thing. Yes. Uh, number one thing I think clients usually come to marriage counseling for, if they come, don't wait till you get in trouble. Yeah. If you think there's some, some areas where you need to strengthen, go before it gets to be too late. Many couples come and it's too late. One of them's already decided, I'm out of here. Yeah. And then you, you're looking for a magic fix and yeah, it's we don't have magic wands. So... I'm sorry, I forgot On what the Oh, when um, you said that, um, you said drop, no. Oh, stop, drop, and roll. That's, that's if right. you're in the middle of a fire, what are you told to do? Stop, drop, and roll. And that's a good, good standard for when you're in the middle of a fight or in, in the middle of a hot time with your partner that uh, things are explosive. Stop. Stop the fight. Step back and say, I want to talk about this but not now, we're both too flooded. Our emotions are out of control and I don't wanna say things, I don't wanna hurt you with my words, which is a big deal. Yeah. Step back and say, let's talk about this tonight. After the kids go to bed or tomorrow morning or you know, I can't until you know, tomorrow night, we'll do it tomorrow night, eight o'clock, set a time. Because oftentimes what, what makes it worse is, I don't wanna talk about it, I don't wanna talk about it, I don't wanna talk about it. And so the other person just gets more flooded. So agree on a time that you will Fair, take time and set it aside to discuss the issue. That would have been helpful for me in my young days, mm. stop, drop and roll. Because without the dropping it, you know, the whole flooding of emotions and the things that you say in a heated conversation in the middle of a conflict, 
you know, can come back to bite you in the butt someday. Yeah. And I was not very good at managing what came out in the middle of those times. But that's because he always pushed it too. So Carl wanted to resolve it and we we're going to resolve it right now. And so there was no dropping it and there was no stopping it. Mm -hmm. And so... Those are those bricks I was talking about. Yeah. Those little bricks of offense. When you call the other person stupid or you're not listening or dumb or even if you hear it different than they actually say, it's a brick of offense. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. another reason I have to block you out. Yeah. You're pretty good at not, you know, building too many walls because I said some awful things. Forgiveness. Like, like, honest to God, there was times when he must have been mature. I don't know what he was. Maybe he just had a wonderful complex and she must be losing I her mind. You have a wonderful complex. You just, I just took you a long time to figure it out. <laughs> but I would try and shoot hate out of my eyes in times when I was so stressed out and very young in our relationship and... You could read that, right? Uh, I think it was the Holy Spirit sunglasses. <laughs> Holy Spirit sunglasses, okay. Deflected all those things. Someday no, I'll I No, uh, I had a lot of issues there too. I created a lot of that, you know, so I had a, a role of ministry that I thought we're in the ministry now and you have to suffer with me. And one time she threw her back out and uh, the next day we had church and I woke her up, said, come on, we got to go to church, and she could barely walk, and I got her a cane. I said, will this help? And I said, let's go, suck it up, buttercup, move on. And she vomited twice on the way to church because the pain was so severe, and I still... And those are issues that break down trust. And I still was like, get in the basement and teach Sunday school. I showed no regard for Cheryl. I said, we've got to do ministry now. We're in the ministry. You bring it. And even though she was physically, like, could not function, I didn't care. We had to do the ministry. So oh, how I, I ever was, survived? I was messed up and screwed up there. You so forgave. I did, you actually. Did. There was a lot that's of really, that, that was, like, when I think about that now, that's troublesome. Like, yeah. That's a, that's a strange person right there. So I had to do the same thing I did. I love my family, don't get me wrong, but there was a lot of uh, difficulties when I was growing up. But I had to come to a place where I just said, you know, my parents did the best they could. And I don't know their whole life history or anything else. And so I finally had to, even with Carl, just go, he's doing what he knows and he's doing the best he can and we'll work it out. Right? You're so awesome. I know. I'm a saint. <laughs> There you go. Okay, so I want to kind of go on to something about um, what's most important to remember when you're raising children. Again, agreement. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter. The research is showing that you can be a bad parent consistently. It's better for your kids than being a good parent occasionally. Mm -hmm. So do whatever you do, do it together. That's number one. You have to be united front. Otherwise, you know, you know, kids, they'll work against you. And they'll work one against the other. Uh, stay together and agree on what you're going to do. So again, what's your business plan? Yeah. What is your plan as parents? Get smart. There are all kinds of different ways and means you can do it, but agree on what it is and stick to the plan. Never criticize each other in front of the kids. If one blows it, it's like you talk about that after. And, but you don't talk about it in front of the, again, united front, you don't talk about it in front of the kids. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, you talked about, um, uh, we talked earlier when we met about teaching your children to be critical thinkers. Mm -hmm. That's important. Um, otherwise, you just they just take everything that is 
told to them mm -hmm. by the experts. Well, who are the experts in their lives? Right. When, you're, when they're little, it's you as parents, but as you grow older, they're going to try to turn away their head and let the world or their teacher or somebody else be the expert. One of the worst days of my life was when my, my five or six-year-old came home. He was in grade one at the time, and I said, no, it's not this way, it's this way. No, mom, you're wrong. Miss Smith says this. And at that point, the teacher now became the authority in his life. And it just, oh, it was like a knife in my heart. Teach them to be critical thinkers and to look at things, put it out on the table and do yeah. critical thinking. It's something we don't even teach in our schools anymore. Mm. No, I know. And so that's, the, is it important for parents to understand kind of a bit about the development of their children? about kind of milestone developments or psychological yeah, that, development? that is good. Yeah, get smart. Again, we've got the internet. We have all the information you need. Find out what is a normal age development for, that, for the child. Mm -hmm. And not just the child, for yourselves. Yeah. We, we have, it's a psychological development and how we develop emotionally and, and mentally and physically and sexually and who we are as people. Find out what normal looks like. Mm -hmm. That's good. <laughs> I think nowadays we have no excuse. We can be, you know, be wise with the information you get. Search out good information. Go to people that you trust that will give you good information. But we should know these kinds of things. You know, I remember, you know, I, I think now, I know so much, I thought I was older then, but I'm, I was, you know, I'm younger I'm younger now. than that now. But I thought I knew everything. But if I knew what I know now about marriage, relationship, and children, um, I would do things very differently. In our day and age, we have no excuse. We can find anything, mm. any resource. You know, there's counselors and everything now that we don't have to do life alone. No. You can get help and you can get people to share with that, share in that, in those kinds of things with you. Mm -hmm. eh? Yes. Mm -hmm. So is, um, is going to a counselor a beneficial thing, Nancy? <laughs> You're asking the wrong person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it is because uh, you talk about things. You a counselor is trained. Yeah. Uh, if they're good, they know what's going on underneath. Sure. Yeah. So we don't look at the fight you're having. We look at what's really going on in the relationship mm -hmm. here and what's caused it. A lot of times, it's because you brought baggage into this relationship. Yeah. yeah. So or you have, you know, either way, and so you're bouncing off each other's baggage. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a professional to to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. But um, my recommendation is go to a therapist to strengthen your marriage. Don't wait till you get in trouble. That's, True. Good. That's good. That's very yeah. good. Yeah. And I've had people come and say, you know, we don't do marriage counseling. We'll do pre-marriage counseling and maybe a little bit of encouragement and coaching, but we don't get into in-depth marriage counseling just because it gets awkward because I'm your pastor. And if we just spent intimate time, five, six weeks talking about an issue, then I start preaching on that issue. You think you're bringing that up because we talked about it, aren't you? I went, yes, as a matter of fact, I am. But it, I'm, it's easier to pastor you than it is to, and uh, people go, but sometimes I got to pay when I go to counselors. I said, well, divorce is way more expensive than True, a counselor. Very good. So uh, believe me, it's it's worth it. You invest. Trust me. You could. You're spending 250 bucks on Rogers. Uh, that's not helping you. So why not uh, do something that'll uh, get a coach for your marriage, or or as you talked in the mentor. first service, you know, get a mentor. Or might might have now talked about mentoring. And mm -hmm. I think that's so important to have people that you're open to and people that speak into your life when you're in a crisis or coach you. So mm -hmm. it's good stuff. Yeah. Well. 
I hope this has been helpful. Our time is up now. It's actually, I can't believe how fast the time went this time around. It so fast. And it went by so fast. But I just want to thank you on yes. behalf of Impact Church for taking the time out for both services yes. to be here with us. Yes. Thank we, you. There we go. I just want to be, give you this and, and say thank you very, very much. I'll just set that there. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Yeah. And so why don't we just pray for our sure. families and relationships and and I really I I'm honored and I'm very very appreciative and very thankful for your time with us and it's been very very helpful for everybody. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we just thank yes, you. Lord. Everybody, come on, let's stand up. stand up. If you got your uh, marriage partner here, why don't you hold their hand and connect or look in their eyes? And Are we allowed to do that? Yeah. Can we tap elbows or? Well, you know, anyways. Oh, let's hold hands. Yeah. Well, Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Father, mm. that you have gifted the body of Christ with yes, wise counselors and, and, and those who mm. can speak into our lives objectively and with um, good background and good training. So, Father, we just thank you for Nancy and thank you for Dave. Yes, that they, we do. They took Bless the time the out of their week thank and their you. busy schedules to come and be with us today yes, in the midst of a little bit of... Uh, fear and dread in our communities these days. So we just bless them and we thank them. And Father, we thank you for the families and the marriages that are represented here in this house and for everyone who's in relationship in general. A lot of what we heard today can be something that is... Um, that crosses every relationship. Truth. So we just pray for Impact Church. Yes, we, we do. pray for our marriages. Yes, we pray Father. for our families. Yes, we Lord. pray, Holy Spirit, that you mm. would give us wisdom. Yeah. We thank you that you are our counselor and that we go to you first, but I just pray that you bless every home, yeah, every, every family. Marriage, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now hang on just for a minute. Just bow your heads. Everybody praying. I always have to ask, if you're here today, you know, you may have wandered in because you're, you're concerned about not getting enough toilet paper. You might be concerned about a virus and things like that so you want to reconnect with God if that's you please you can do that today he is your savior he is the forgiver of your sins he is the lord of all things and he loves you and you just have to say i accept you father i receive jesus as my reconciler as my savior my redeemer and just embrace that reconnection with god and i'm just going to ask our, our ministry team people if you're here and you're going to be praying for people today we always want to give you an opportunity to get prayer today if you need prayer for anything or came and you need prayer so i get ministry team people just to come now and and just prepare for a prayer and then i also want to tell you if you're here and you're new in the last week several weeks we do have next steps takes place right after service next steps you want to know a little bit more about us and you and how we can connect together right after service next steps right down that hallway through that door on the other side got lots of pops and chips and healthy things just 20 minutes of your time and we just want to connect a little deeper and a little further and we want to bless you in that all right all right can i bless you can i pray for you well father we thank you for your deep love for us and, and the revelation of your love, would it be so clear? And the clarity of that and our identity as your children. Let your love baptize us afresh and new today. Jesus, thank you for your great grace. Thank you. Thank you that you, you, you came to, to lift us up and to bring us into a place of seated union with you, fixed in you, baptized in your grace. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. You are here with us. You are, you are my partner. You've come so close to me and you are attached to me, empowering me, strengthening me, and enabling me every step of the way. So I thank you for your divine partnership in my life. So in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I bless this house. 
and I bless them to go and to manifest your goodness in a time like this to show wisdom, to show understanding, and to show peace. So I loose these folks on a world in need to bring the kingdom of God and the goodness of God in manifestation. I bless them in Jesus' precious name. Amen.